Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm up from Evo. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Discussions with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. Really, it's going to be mainly featuring the interview that we have in segment number two. That is going to be with Rocco Miller. He does a great job over at Bracketeer.org. I know that he plays a big hand in helping teams get their non-conference schedules all squared away. So we're going to be talking with him about really what these foreign trips do for a team. And I think that you're going to find that his perspective on these is you shouldn't be reading too much into them, which I personally am a little bit more on Rocco's side on this one. We are certainly going to be talking about Kentucky, what we all saw from them over the weekend, over at the Global Jam, what it means for them in general, how the roster is starting to lay out. But on top of that, we're going to be diving into a few teams that have made additions like Texas Tech, like Washington, what is the lay of the land for them. And we're also going to be diving in a little bit more on the Big 12 as well, the fact that they probably still are the top college basketball conference in the country. And I am not going to award that to anyone else until we see it. But the fact that the Big 12, it is now a essentially a 14-team conference. And fortunately, next year, we are actually going to have 12 teams in the Big 12 for the first time since dinosaurs roamed the earth. But how that does hurt a conference a little bit. Why? When you do have more teams within the conference, it does cause a conference's overall strength to be a little bit more diminished. So we're going to be diving in on that front as well. We're going to be also looking at a few teams that they made some good coaching hires. They're probably going to be able to ascend a little bit more during the season as well. A few teams that he does have his eye on. And we're going to be taking a look at the lay of the land and what we've all gotten in college basketball recently with Rocco. It's always good to be able to get him aboard. We're going to be discussing that in segment number two. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. 
If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really didn't get in any Twitter questions today. And with a little bit of a shortage in player movement, let me know what you do want to hear on this podcast in segment number one because it's starting to get a little bit more bare bones. Now, I did think that we got one thing that was intriguing in college basketball on Tuesday. Jerron Pierre, who is coming off of a really nice year. He was over at Wichita State this last year. 10.5 points. Didn't necessarily shoot it well from three, but I mean, when you're averaging 10.5 points, you're making starts for Wichita State. You know what? You're going places. He decided that he was going to be going down to the non-D1 level. He is going to be playing for Langston University, the old Lions, and that's a massive pickup for Langston University, but something that you don't expect. A guy like this going down to the D2 level, I fully expect him to dominate. Actually, I believe that they're at the NAIA level, so I mean, an even lower level basketball. I have been noticing this a little bit more, but somewhat befuddling that we're seeing a move like this with Jerome Pierre, who was very good at Wichita State. I'm sure that there's a lot of even power conference teams that would love to have Jerron Pierre at their disposal. Him going down to Langston University, that's a little bit strange, but that is something that we've seen quite a bit more of in recent years. Guys that are very serviceable at the D1 level going down to the non-D1 level, but we certainly are low on news because that's really the only piece that we did get, so let me know if there's anything else that you want to hear on this podcast, any sort of topics that you want me to dive in on a little bit more as well, but also on top of that, we're starting to get more and more in tune with regards to our conference previews. The Missouri Valley Conference is going to be coming up relatively soon. I am courting a few people to be able to do the other Mac because we did the Metro Atlantic Mac a few days ago. We're going to be doing the Mid-American Mac relatively soon as well. So we're in the M's with regards to conference previews. I always skip the uh, Power 6 until the back half of the offseason because they've got the most moving parts. But we're moving along with regards to those conference previews and we always keep things moving with great guests. So joining me next, we do have Rocco Miller. You know him better as the Bracketeer and we're going to be touching upon a whole lot of things including how Kentucky looked at the Global Jam next right here. I'm Chris Gibson with myself, Craig Peters, and now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Las Vegas for Cusco Seats with myself, Greg Ames Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man, Rocco Miller. He does a tremendous job. Take a look at the game of college basketball. You're able to find him over at bracketeer.org as he does an incredible job with not just his bracketology, but putting out all these schedules that we are seeing as well. I know that he does a great job of featuring a lot of these mid-majors as well. Rocco, a very well-traveled man that does a great job looking at all 362 D1 teams and a man that you're able to follow on Twitter at Rocco Miller. And then the number eight on the back half of that, Rocco, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Greg, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm always excited to get on your show and talk hoops. We end up diving into teams and topics that a lot of times I don't get to talk to other places. So it's great to be back on with you. How have you been, sir? I have been great. And I know that you are getting done doing a little bit of traveling as well. And You know what? As you are done traveling, there's a lot of college basketball teams that are starting up their traveling. Here in July, August, we're going to be seeing a lot of these teams take a lot of foreign trips. As a matter of fact, we just saw a very notable one with Kentucky get done with the Global Jam. And how do you evaluate these teams that they are able to get a foreign trip? Because in a lot of cases, you're only able to get one every four years because of the COVID pandemic. A lot of teams that maybe didn't get one in past years, they are getting one this season. And I think that it is very important to evaluate this, but not necessarily from like the wins and losses, whether or not Kentucky is defeating Germany or not, but just taking a look at the way that these guys are gelling and some of the actual 
rotations and some of the actual lineups that are being used? It's a difficult one for me historically because I think, you know, if you're a fan of a certain team or you cover a certain league more so than other leagues, maybe you have tried in the past to pay close attention and watch these games. There's just been so many examples over the years where by the time we get to November, they really don't mean anything. Coaches can approach them in a myriad of ways, whether it's, you know, giving certain guys that need the work more playing time or, you know, messing around with different shot selection opportunities. You know, Kentucky shot a, a high percentage of threes compared to what we've been used to seeing in this event. But I think the cool thing about the one Kentucky just finished with three other teams, I guess you could say, because we had one team just comprised of quote unquote Africa players from all over the continent, but also Germany and Canada put teams together. I think there's a tiny bit more value in that than the majority of the tours. The majority of the tours you'll see throughout the summer are going to be either places like Australia or Italy or Spain or France or, you know, even down to the south in the Caribbean or South America. But in most of those, they're either playing pro teams that are inferior competition or, you know, in some cases they will play a tough team or two that will give them a loss. But in general, nobody's job is on the line. Players, for the most part, are just trying to get comfortable, not get injured. You can't treat them anything like, not even a charity exhibition uh, that you would treat that. So we're basically scratching the surface. I do want to say the Kentucky event, just because a chance to play with FIBA rules and some pretty good players. Like, you know, we saw Telford from Butler play really well for Team Canada. We saw Simus Lacosius uh, transfer from Butler to Cincinnati. One of our favorite guys, he played really well in that event. You know, Bubakar Faye from Western Kentucky in Conference USA, I thought uh, demonstrated some elite rebounding ability and something for the Hilltopper fans to look forward to. And Enoch Okeye, a transfer here at Fresno State, not far from me. I know their staff's really excited about him. He had a couple really nice games and really came through for Germany in their close loss to Canada and, and it was some clutch plays by him. I thought actually it was more interesting about the teams that weren't Kentucky because when they played Kentucky, you know that's one of the top college basketball programs. How do they size up? How did they react? You can maybe draw a little bit more about how they stack up against you know four or five-star level NBA level competition, which Kentucky certainly has. For Kentucky themselves, you know, I was most excited about Justin Edwards. I think he has the most promise out of all these blue chips they brought in. Antonio Reeves will be the leader and he won the MVP of the event. He's got the veteran age and experience and will be a really key ingredient for however far Kentucky will go. But of course, this team is loaded with talent. I don't expect them to shoot this many threes when they get to the regular season, but they do have more shooters than usual. I'm curious to see how that plays out. But Besides that, I can't really take too much more from from that particular event. Yep, I do agree with you as well. I think that looking at the results themselves is a little bit foolish, but what I think is very important is that you do get those added practices, and especially for a young team like Kentucky, added practices, that is very much a good thing for them. As Rocco Miller, he does great work over at Bracketeer.org. He's joining me on Coast Coast Hoops, and with Kentucky, I do think that it is such an interesting situation because one, there are notable freshmen and Bradshaw, he was dealing with a lower body injury. He did not play at all in the global jam. But as we know with Kentucky, it just felt like they needed to pick up someone in the transfer portal. And thanks to you know, everything going down the toilet bowl for West Virginia here in res- recent weeks, they were able to pick up Trey Mitchell. And I feel like there were quite a few teams that they were beneficiaries sort of at the expense of West Virginia and all the unfortunate situations that happened there. But for Kentucky, how do you view this team overall now in the SEC? Because I do think that the SEC is going to be a very rough conference. I think that 
there's no real team I look at and I say, yep, that's a team that's going to be making the Final Four. But I see a lot of second weekend teams, and I feel like Kentucky is one of those teams that sort of falls into that vector of being like one of the three, four contenders for this conference. Yeah, I think you would have to. It's always a tricky exercise in this time of year because you've got your talent factor, but I think the coaching factor and the pedigree factor always matters, sometimes more than than the talent. And, you know, that gives me faith in a guy like Nate Oates who just produces year in and year out. They not only have such an electric system and they find pieces that fit regardless of our opinions of the players. You know, their system makes it very cohesive for the five guys on the floor, whichever the five may be, to play positionless ball, to be able to shoot threes, to be able to play what I call effective defense versus you know, lockdown defense. It's not a pack line by any means. They'll give up 75, 80 points in a game, but it's effective because it's a controlled defense geared to allow them to outscore the other team. It's a system that's tried and true since his Buffalo days. You know, the one thing Alabama has done that goes unnoticed by many is the way they schedule. You know, in two of the last three years, they haven't even played a quad four game. I think last year they played one quad four game. So every game they play, even if it's a home game against a South Dakota State or a Furman, those are still games that are going to test their guys and they're going to see, you know, different types of looks and skill sets playing those better mid-major teams and you know we're seeing Alabama put a schedule together just like that again this year and I think that only benefits them when they get into league play so much of that is underrated when you go into like a preseason forecasting exercise moving on from Alabama I definitely think what Tennessee brings back and the way they play defense, you know, they should stay near the top, top five. I love what Texas A&M brings back. And Florida's worked really, really hard to load up their roster. So you're seeing all those teams right now land in the top 20 projection-wise. Obviously, that's not a perfect science. But if you're sitting in the top 20 right now and you have all the way down to like 46 is where the cutoff usually lands to be a tournament team. You got to feel good about your margin for error if you're one of those five or six teams. And then, you know, Auburn and Arkansas, they're right there. And what they've done with both Pearl and Musselman the last handful of years, you got to expect them to probably be tournament teams as well. So now we're talking about a seven, eight bid league before we even dive into like how good Mississippi State might be with Tolo Smith coming back. Exactly, Greg. Like the league is loaded. We haven't even talked about Chris Beard yet, who also brought in talent at Ole Miss. You know, LSU is very hungry with some great transfer portal ads to try to turn their fortunes around after missing the tournament last year. It's a loaded league. I think it's the league that has the best collection of head coaches anywhere in the country. I do think that with the SEC, they've really been able to elevate because of those head coaching hires. Heck, even some like a Jerry Sackhouse, what he's been able to do over at Vanderbilt, a team that even with the Liam Robbins injury last season, they were able to ascend and they did a nice job being able to retain quite a few players that may have had options elsewhere. I think that that's going to be big for the conference as well. But I do think that the one conference that does reign number one in all of college basketball is still the Big 12, though. And that's just part of the reason why I think with everything that happened with West Virginia, it is so unfortunate because you still have Kirk Creasy, you still have Jesse Edwards, quite a few top flight guys on the roster. But now you've got a lack of depth. And if West Virginia was in, say, the Pac-12, a conference like that, I still think that they would be one of the better teams in the conference. But I just have a fear that the Big 12 is going to swallow them whole. Even a team like Central Florida that comes in, they made some nice moves in the transfer portal. And the way that Texas Tech has put together their roster as well, being able to add Devin Cambridge, being able to add 
one of those guys from West Virginia in Joe Toussaint late. I think that they're a team to watch out for in that conference as well. Well, yeah, and the most important ad Texas Tech had happened months before when they hired Grant McCasland, just an unbelievable coach and success track record at North Texas the last four years. It definitely belongs in the in the Big 12, and he'll bring more stability than both Chris Beard and Coach Adams brought based on his personality and principles. And the defense will be back to probably beard level defense and maybe even better with the way he coaches. So I couldn't be more thrilled for Texas Tech. Now they actually have talent to accompany McCasland. And I think as far as West Virginia goes, I'm really interested to see how Josh Eilert, the interim head coach, he's got a really tough hand he's been dealt. Losing both Trey Mitchell and Toussaint is going to be really tough to make up for because now you still have a nice a three-pack with Creesa, Edwards, and Battle. But Creesa is a guy that comes over from Arizona playing super fast tempo, that's how he plays his best. He wants to make decisions on the fly. He wants to get a rebound and get in transition immediately. Whereas, you know, Battle played in a slower tempo at Montana State. How will he adjust? West Virginia themselves, they were slightly more up-tempo, came in around 116th in tempo last year. So I'm really curious how West Virginia wants to run or if they want to slow it down. Edwards, of course, coming from Syracuse, a little bit slower tempo. We'll have to see some other mysteries. You know, Bembry's got talent coming over from Florida State. That's a guy they just pulled in after the Huggins fiasco. Seth Wilson, you know, in a limited sample size last year, coming off the bench, he fired around 84 threes shot 42%. So, you know, he'll be counted on a lot more this year based on the attrition. Can he keep his percentage around 40% in a league this tough? That will be a big question for the Mountaineers. You know, you can't forget about good old Omar Silverio, who two years ago at Hofstra was a really quality player at the Colonial level. Is he able to make that jump to the Big 12 after being lost in the shuffle for two years, uh, going through the Manhattan fiasco last year, now the West Virginia fiasco this year? Can he contribute? They also have a couple scholarships left, so that that leaves some wiggle room for West Virginia. But I have to agree with you. You know, right now, like Texas Tech certainly belong above them in the pecking order. I, I think certainly BYU and probably Cincinnati with all the things they've done to get ready for this transition might also be above West Virginia. I think I would have them both above West Virginia and Oklahoma State, who lost some pieces last year, probably also above West Virginia. Oklahoma kind of in that same department. It's really interesting. You know, you're right. Big 12 has earned that respect over the last decade plus to be the best conference in college basketball. A lot of that too, though, I want to point out, had to do with them only having 10 teams. A lot of those years, including last year, all 10 teams were extremely solid. There was no easy nights. I don't think there'll be any easy nights um, next year either. But I do think because we go from 10 to 14, it's a drastic increase percentage-wise. That does open the door for maybe a couple of teams, whether it's West Virginia or somebody else, to maybe slip into the 100s. And that could open the door for another league to come and take the top league spot this next year. Of course, following this year, the Big 12 will go down to 12 teams and their name will actually fit again. But until then, there is an opportunity this year for somebody to snatch it away because it's historically very difficult to have a league as big as 14 teams and hold on to that top spot because it really is about what the middle of the pack does, those bubblish type teams. And then how good is your bottom? And every year, the Big 12's bottom has always been the best. I'm just not sold that's going to happen this year. So I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Yep, and I think that that is such a good point as well because with Central Florida, I do like the moves that they made in the uh, season, and I think that they're going to be better than what they showed in the American last few seasons. But that's a big question mark as well, having to play against the likes of Tulane, which Tulane is a solid team. That's not quite the same as going up against Kansas and Kansas State on that road trip. So 
I do think that it's going to be a lot of step-up games for a lot of these teams. As Rocco Miller does great work over at Bracketeer.org is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And you mentioned it. A lot of these conferences, you're only as strong as your bottom. And, well, quite frankly, when it comes to these power conferences, typically the worst bottom has belonged to the Pac-12. But I know you're a guy that you've got Washington bleeding through your veins. And since we last talked, Washington, they got a nice pickup in Paul Mukahi. And I've been on this podcast the last week or so talking about the fact that Washington in a Pac-12 in which it does feel like USC is the best team in that conference. I still think that UCLA, Arizona, they're going to be solid stalwarts. But I think Washington has a path forward to be able to ascend into that top four, into that top five. Not sure what your thoughts are on Washington, but I legitimately think that they've had a good offseason. And I think the big key for them is just not completely blowing it in the non-conference like they've done the last few years. I have to agree with that. You know, obviously I have roots in Washington. You know, based on the situation, they've done everything they possibly can for an offseason to try to get this team in a realistic position to make the NCAA tournament, which I think it's no secret has to happen in order for Mike Hopkins to remain the head coach. And that's what this story and season is all about. And, you know, another thing they figured out clearly with some of these pickups is the NIL game. They've actually gotten very strong in NIL. The Rutgers transfer you mentioned, Paul Mulcahy, he's a guy that was suited by the elites, you know, right when he entered the portal. So I think for people in Seattle, it was very pleasant surprise that he committed. I think there's some other pieces where with Severe Wheeler coming in, obviously he's had a storied career, can be a polarizing player when he's not playing well, but he, you know, his upside is so great that, you know, in the Pac-12, he could be a impact player on any given night. Keon Brooks, you know, when the season ended, it was a long shot if he was going to come back or not. Keon Brooks is back, and him and Wheeler have some ties together. So them playing together could actually be a strong duo because of their Houston connection. And the, also, speaking of Houston, Wesley Yates comes from uh, the Houston area. And right now, in some of the lottery mocks, obviously, we're way too early on any mock draft 2024. Of course, you see that now because this year's draft just ended. Some people have Yates going in the top five in the NBA draft. And that's just crazy because he's coming to Washington as an afterthought in some of the projections. I've heard he's just blowing things out of the water from an athletic standpoint in early workouts. You never know how that's going to play out in a rotation situation. But what Washington's done a great job of is layering the roster in with some really quality veteran guys. I cannot be saying nicer things about Anthony Holland, a Fresno State bulldog through and through. He's been the glue guy at Fresno State for three straight years. I just can't envision him not having a really important role. I know there's some guys on the roster like Moses Wood coming from Portland, you know, ideally in the center position, both Braxton Mia, who improved tremendously last year, and Frank Kepnong, who transferred from Oregon a couple of years ago, tore his ACL, but it sounds like he's recovering well, and Corin Johnson entering his sophomore year at a guard position. So many players now that could be part of this rotation. I just think Anthony Holland has to be a part of that winning formula because he really is a bulldog in crunch time. They've just done everything they can. And then you add on to that, Greg, that Larry Brown got hired. <laughs> and I think the best thing Washington can do, this is just my own personal opinion, is if they get into close games late, which they will get in a lot of because the Pac-12 is going to have a lot of parity, let Larry Brown just call some of those plays because he's got the experience and he's got a feel for the game. And I think sometimes, you know, Hop's a, a great defensive coach. He's an unbelievable person. Everybody loves Hopkins. But sometimes some of those coaching decisions haven't gone his way. And maybe that's where Larry Brown can actually help the most with that bench. I'm fascinated. And I, th- I think the Pac-12 as a whole, you know, with teams like Cal really flipping their roster with Mark Madsen, obviously that tremendously helps the league. 
Colorado's got an exciting team coming. You know, UCLA's taking a step back, losing some of their players that had tremendous careers, but they're still going to be good. I mean, let's be honest. They have great talent coming in. Some of these guys coming from Europe are going to be better than expected. Arizona's still going to be good. USC, we all know, is loaded. The Pac-12's got a really good chance this year to take a step forward. I agree with you. I think that for the Pac-12, what was just killing them for so many years was the bottom. And I hate to say it, but I think that it's going to once again be a rather rough year for Oregon State. But all in all, I do think that a lot of these teams, they have been able to improve. And one thing that always improves is when you join this podcast, Rocco, you do an absolutely tremendous job taking a look at this game that we all know and love. And uh, you do an amazing job traveling to view so many of these different teams as well. And doing a great job on the scheduling front as well. So love the good people at home. You know, it's all on tap for you. And how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. I appreciate the kind words, Greg, as always. You can follow me at RoccoMiller8. That's the number eight on Twitter. That's where you're going to find, at this time of year, a plethora of schedule updates, pretty much all non-conference schedule updates because that's what uh, we're still figuring out for most teams. Then as we get into September, October timeframe, some more preview stuff will start to come together. Culminates with my preseason bracket projection. I try to gear the entire season towards the NCAA tournament because ultimately that's what matters the most. That's why every team plays to try to get to that magical event in March. So you can follow along on my website as well, which is bracketsheer.org. We're rolling out schedule pages for each league right now. Three of them are up. The Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Big East are all available and constantly updated daily. The SEC will actually be up very soon in the next 24 hours. So we're looking forward to rolling that page out. They're going to start coming out faster and faster as we get through the end of the summer. And then also, you know, just looking forward to another year of a lot of traveling to games. In October, I'll I'll actually be touring around to different practice sites to get a lot more intel and inside information on a variety of programs. I'd love to see practices from teams in different leagues, as many different leagues as I can see, much like I do for traveling to games during the season. So a lot to look forward to and a lot to discuss as we go. There is a lot to look forward to, as this is going to be, in my opinion, a tremendous college basketball season. One that looks a little bit different than in past years, especially with realignment in the Big 12, Sunbelt, Conference USA, you go down the list. But it is going to be a tremendous one, and Rocco has his finger on the pulse of all of it. So big thanks to Rocco Miller or Bracketeer.org for joining me on Coast Coast Soup Sound, part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you ever have any question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, if one of two ways we offer those in. First, what is my Twitter timeline at GNRS41? Keep in mind, letters DM, they mean it does not matter. As per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way, sign an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'm with you guys every single day on this podcast. Like I said, please do fire in those Twitter questions because we are getting a little bit more bare bones with regards to these transfer moves, but also be keeping in mind as well the conference previews. They're coming a little bit more hot and heavy as well, so we're going to get you guys all set for the upcoming season once those conference previews are done. It is going to be time to tip off the 2023-24 campaign, and I'll be getting you guys picks and analysis on every single game every single day, so appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 
100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.